I look at a blank canvas all the time. Um, and a blank canvas is quite beautiful in itself, so sometimes you, you have to make sure you don't ruin it by putting something on it. Uh, so um, by putting something, doing that initial mark, the initial dot, um, then you sort of commit yourself to the process of making a painting. Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask, where does faith and art meet? Welcome to Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. My name is Peter Sutton, and I'm the minister here at the Parish Church of St. Cuthbert in Edinburgh. And you join us in the Norlock Room, where we have the story of Cuthbert of Holy Island Lindisfarne, so beautifully told in the stained glass window behind me. But today we're here to meet another artist, not of stained glass, but of stunning paintings, and it is my great pleasure to have with me today a good friend, uh, Adrian Vishnevsky, who joins us uh, to talk about uh, his work. And um, Adrian, it's just so good to firstly have you here, which is very, very special. And if I can just tell people that in welcoming Adrian, we have one of the new Glasgow boys mm -hmm. who grew to prominence coming out of the Glasgow Art School and they really rediscovered figurative painting in 20th century Scotland. Mm -hmm. And in Adrian's case, a lot of his work, Adrian was of portraits or people, mm -hmm. but here at St. Cuthbert's, we were so privileged to be, have on loan your stunning foray into landscape painting and the stunning Lake Tekapo, which we'll talk about in a few moments. Okay. But firstly, just big warm welcome back to St Cuthbert's and it's good to have you with us. Thanks, Peter. Thank you very much. Nice being here, beautiful room. And it's also nice to sit down and have a wee chat. I've got a cup of coffee, so we can get rolling. We're good to go. We've both got cups of coffee. And Albert, who some of you will know from these podcast series, uh, he can't be with us today and uh, he's kindly asked me uh, to lead this uh, this chat. I think it's because we know each other quite well, it's more of a chat than a formal interview. And I yeah. think that's nice because... I think in the in the mind of an artist, nothing is too formal. I don't think mm. it's sort of quite random thoughts come together. <laughs> yeah. And so, just how would you be if you were given a blank canvas right now? What would inspire you to to put paint to? Oh, paint that's to a good paper? question. Yeah, a blank canvas. I look at a blank canvas all the time, um, and a blank canvas is quite beautiful in itself. So sometimes you you have to make sure you don't ruin it by putting something on it. Uh, so um, by putting something, doing that initial mark, the initial dot, um, then you sort of commit yourself to the process of making a painting. But I'll, I, I'll stick up analogies like like um, uh, uh, when we talk about painting or art, to think, I think about music, and music always starts with a dot and it ends with a dot. And that's the way I think about painting as well. 
it's got colour, it's got composition, it's got tone, it's got content. It's all these things which are layers upon layers, which um, uh, are very rich, can be very rich in their, their, in their content and their significance, but at the same time they're very, they can be very melodic and very sort of like, um, uh, very spiritual as well. So since we're talking about spiritual things. Well, that's, I mean, that's a lovely, beautiful image, sort of bringing music into painting. So I suppose I would ask you next, and so as you create that first dot on the blank canvas, yeah. is the music in your mind? There's always music in my mind. I've always got, I, that's what I wanted to be really when I was a child, was a, a composer. I wanted to compose music. Uh, and on one fateful day, I, th I thought it would just come to me that I'd be able to sit down at a piano and learn how to pl and, and play like Mozart. It just comes straight through my fingers. And we didn't have a piano, so a friend of mine had a piano, and I sat down, and I started playing with one hand, thinking, ding, 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 enjoying the music. And he said, oh, no, you've got to use two hands. So I tried to use two hands, and I realised that this wasn't really my thing, uh, using two hands. And I said, what's that doing there? He says, that's the pedals. You've got to move your feet at the same time. And I thought, forget it. I'll, do, I'll use a pencil in my hand, and that's it. That's, that's me. Um, that's my, my future. So I decided that I wanted to be an architect because um, uh, I wanted to do something useful in the world and make people's lives better, you know, sort of like, 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 um, and um, I, I thought architecture was the way to do that. And do you not find that, um, uh, my father was an architect and I find it fascinating, oh, and that was what you thought, but I always remember him being very exact in his drawing yeah. and having to follow rules and regulations because a building presumably only stands if you follow, you know, the right guidelines and, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're following a, a format that's going to make the building work. Yeah. So looking back now, do you think you would have been limited in what you would have done in your creativity had yeah. you pursued the architect route as opposed to the painting, where I guess you're not as restricted in how you can... Yeah. you know share your creativity no that's true you're absolutely right the the, the, uh, the i did architecture i studied architecture for four years so i i, I had a, a background in architecture and uh, my younger brother teaches architecture at Edinburgh university and my son louis is a practicing architect <laughs> he's a fellow qualified architect so i talk about architecture all the time and i love it to bits uh, and i guess um i'm doing something um I'm actually interested in everything, really. So, so I don't like to be limited by one thing. So I, I have worked in neon, in tapestry, in uh, written three plays. I've I've just sort of like 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 I hate being bored, yeah. and I like to exercise my creativity in different ways. So um, the ultimate Renaissance man, one uh, might yeah, suggest. Well, well I, my my biggest hero was Michelangelo because he was like, I think he was the best sculptor and the best painter, and the best architect, and probably one of the best poets of his, of his time. And he was so, fam so famous in the first three that nobody really realises that he was a great poet as well. And how would you look at your training in architecture now being expressed in your painting? Are you still following architectural guidelines when you paint? Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm aware of... I, um, when I was studying architecture, I was... in interest in space and and the procession of space how you move from one space to another and there's a sort of 
um, um, there's a narrative as you go through a building uh, and that's very exciting to do with height and width and drama and um, just there's also so buildings are human in scale or they should be human in scale. I always liked the, the, the human element in these these things. Um, so so when I, when I first studied cathedrals, um, well, one thing interesting about cathedrals really is that the word cathedral comes from cathedra, which means chair. Mm. So 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 you're going from the biggest structure in 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 mankind when it was built to to the most intimate and smallest structure, which is a chair, and so the cathedral, which was the seat of the bishop, and and so the cathedral is a building that houses the cathedral. So so that I found this of like like going from the smallest to the biggest, an interesting thing about architecture and design. And just picking up on the, your use of the word space there, I was recently at the uh, David Hockney Immersive Exhibition in London. Yes. And he very much talks about perspective mm. and how he felt restrained by just, you know, one dimensional perspective. And I think he mentioned that he's much more, sees it from a Chinese perspective, that you walk into a landscape and you, journey with perspective and you know it presents itself in so many different ways around yeah. you yeah and in the narration of his exhibition he's quite i wouldn't say tortured by space but he really gets quite involved in trying to work out what space is and then rather beautifully he, he tells a story of how he was just speaking out loud about space and his sister happened to be next to him and she said david don't you realize god is space and he suddenly said, I'm not a believer myself, uh -huh. but that just made so much sense to me. Suddenly, I understood in a more complete way what potentially space was. And uh -huh. just that, that phrase, God is space. So having introduced the concept of buildings mm -hmm. and small things mm -hmm. and perspective and space, when you see your work in a church, is mm -hmm. that therefore for you the culmination of all these ideas? Well, the, the beautiful thing about churches is that they're places for people to contemplate. And so there's a big responsibility when you do a piece for a church um, uh, because they're, they're, they're quiet spaces, uh, unless they have music, mm. which is... In, in, a beautiful part about, about the church as well is that um, um, music is a part of the the, 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 the proceedings that go in, in the church, uh, a cappella, as they say, as in the chapel. And um, so what was the question again? No, I was just saying, do you see having a painting in the oh, church right. as a culmination of your thought process or how you think about painting oh, yeah. your well, life? Uh, yes, I mean, I was very interested when I when I was um, invited to. There was a competition actually for the Liverpool Cathedral. There was a shortlist of uh, of artists, and uh, I was in the shortlist. And I made a submission of my ideas, really. Uh, and the one one of them, which I did two big paintings. I mean, they're big paintings. I can't, I think they're like like. 10 feet by 12 feet or something. I can't remember the size of them. Mm. They're just big. Mm. Um, they don't look that big in the church because the, because the Anglican Cathedral is the biggest Anglican Cathedral in the world. Yeah. So so it's enormous. Um, 
But the church itself is, is built upon rock. It's a big, giant, rocky outcrop, and the cathedral was built on top of it. And so I thought the house, uh, uh, house, house built upon, upon rock would, 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 would really uh, be site-specific. Uh, but the other one was, I, that I did was uh, based on the, um, the Good Samaritan, where, but in my piece, the Good Samaritan was a woman. And uh, when I was being interviewed for it, I, I, they said, yeah, but of course, the, the Good Samaritan's a man, and it's, isn't it? I said, well, I've read it, and it, it doesn't say that it is a man. And the general assumption that the, the, the Samaritan was a man, but actually, no. There's no nothing in, in the, 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 the parable to say that. And also, because I wanted to reflect the fact that women do so much in the church, that the and there are good Samaritans within the church uh, who are women. I wanted that to be recognised as well, so I wanted to make a, a, a statement about that. So, um, yeah, that, that was one of the, the, the pieces in the content of it, but, but these are points that you can make rather than just illustrating a, 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 a given philosophy. You can, you can develop the philosophy and make it much more pertinent to the 21st century. Uh, I mean, that's fascinating, and, and your take on, you know, how we just assume, and in the case that the... The Samaritan was a man, and I think our assumptions, particularly in the church today, can often restrict how the church is perceived by secular society. They just think we're so, you know, caught up and blinkered that yes. there's no room for flexibility or seeing things from a different perspective, and that's a sort of sense yeah. that we've introduced in this talk. So you've mentioned two of your paintings which are specifically religious, Good Samaritan, and House on the Rock yeah. in a religious setting. Yes. So, and uh, if we can now move to one of your, well, I, I suppose it appears as a secular piece initially, and that was your first foray into landscape painting when you painted Lake uh, Tekapo mm -hmm. in New Zealand, which we are so lucky to have here in St. Cuthbert's. Because I first saw it, and you might remember the first time I met you, uh -huh. this is before lockdown, and it was in the summer exhibition at the Royal Academy yeah. here in Edinburgh. And yeah, the Royal Scottish Academy, yes. The Royal Scottish Academy. And I just saw it and I thought, wow, we need that painting in St Cuthbert's. We've got this space and it would just go beautifully. Yeah. You would obviously have seen it in the Royal Scottish Academy. You've now seen it in a church setting. Yeah. Do you look at it differently in a gallery or, in a, an, or now you see it in a church? Or do you as the artist see it the same way? Well, it... It works well in both venues, really, because in in, in, a, uh, in the the St Cuthbert's, you see it high up in the wall, but it, it fits really so well, um, uh, and it's a very horizontal painting, uh, but it's from a, a low perspective, and and so it's a very sort of like, it's like the landscape's got its arms stretched out to 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 give you a big hug. It's like like like. Uh, um, uh, a very sort of quite a powerful landscape, full of energy, and um, the colours really work really well in, the, in situ. But if you've seen it in the Royal Scottish Academy, uh, you could go right up to it, put your nose right to it, and so you can actually walk into the, the painting itself and feel completely uh, uh, enveloped in it. Mm. So I, that so it works both ways, you know. But that, I, I like paintings that work both ways anyway. So I don't like. I mean, we do see paintings that look great from maybe 100 yards or 50 yards or mm. 10 yards, but you go up close and they just die, you know, and, and they just look like, like, like they've been 
filled in by you know like uh you know like sort of like like uh, join the dots and on fault you know like don't go over the lines mm. type of thing the, the, these I, I like that my paintings to work really close up and far away i love what you said about within the setting here in the church <laughs> and I'd, I'd never seen it like this i mean i see the water moving and i have the privilege of celebrating communion i took you to the communion table and when i yeah. hold up the cup it's just framed within Lake Tekapo, which is so beautiful. Yeah. But you just said a moment ago, you sort of see it as like as outstretched arms up there. Yeah. But so much more for me is the image of, if you see it up close and you're actually embraced in a big hug, yeah. you know, there's a real sense of warmth and you're enveloped. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful to think that, you know, if you really want to engage, you don't have to come specifically to a religious setting and this yeah. is in life in general as well yeah, yeah, yeah i think you know the big hug the big uh-huh. embrace is as much outside the church for people yeah. as it is inside the church but as you quite beautifully put it it happens in both places yeah and i think the church sometimes perhaps feels it only happens spiritually oh, in yeah. our setting no, no, you see we're talking about architecture i mean i think every building has the potential of being very spiritual and and um, because everybody has got spirit within them, so therefore it has to relate to every single person. And uh, um, a building has to be functional, it has to work for the people who live and work in it, uh, but also has to work for the people who walk by it, who pass by it every day. So it has to be, has to give and not just take. It's not just forming a a simple function like as a um, uh, a factory. It has to be something which 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 says something to everybody who passes by that factory, not necessarily working in it, but also to the people working in the factory or working in the shop or whatever it is. Even it's Tesco's or something. Yeah. It doesn't. It it can be something of great beauty. So, I mean, you probably are aware that the Church of Scotland at the moment is disposing of up to a third of its parish churches. So, yeah. you know, without necessarily having a religious perspective on that, mm-hmm. do you see that as being a loss to a community if the building which was specifically built for worship mm-hmm. might now have to adapt to be something else? Or do you see that as an opportunity for these buildings? I think it's an find? opportunity. I know that, I know that the... the, the the, the cathedrals in the medieval times were not just done for places of worship. They were marketplaces. They were places that everybody came... They were, they, they were places of sanctuary. Uh, so although people were living in the shambles around York, they they were happy to contribute to, to the, the, the well-being of the overall community by contributing to York Minster, for example, or, or the cathedral. The cathedral wasn't just something that was stamped upon the people. People used it, the cathedral. And so it was, it was like a, um, a, it was, it was, the cathedral was a place of great learning and where printing, you know, took place and, and, and education and uh, stained glass windows meant something. Uh, it was a way of teaching and um, also showing that learning can be a beautiful thing. And, you, and you've introduced the word beauty. And I think, you know, we'd both acknowledge that 
within the reformed tradition after the Reformation, mm -hmm. there was very much a sense of we're going to get rid of all the beauty and images <laughs> yeah. and we're going to install pews so that people have to sit upright and be focused on the word coming from the pulpit. Yeah. Do you think historically over that period of time, say in Scotland, do you think communities have lost out by not having their places of worship full of beautiful things and on the whole, I think we would say, you know, they've been pretty whitewashed and there's not much there apart from, you know, big yeah. pulpit, communion table and pews to sit in. Do you yeah. think we've lost out? On yeah, that? well, I, I, I think that the um, there's been a lot of confusion about the idea of graven images. You know, like, 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 like uh, uh, people will watch television and or look at magazines with images on it and... Uh, I mean, it's just, and it goes to the cinema. I mean, what is a graven image? You know, it's just any image which is, um, well, wrong. You know, something, I mean, uh, I was in Spain last year and there were reliquaries mm. and uh, that was weird. I found that weird, you know, and the idea of like uh, believing that statues can bleed, uh, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, as... As visual representations, uh, uh, I think that's okay, hmm. you know. And uh, so, when, so when I see, like, say, say Michelangelo sculptures, hmm. they come, yes, they ha they come from a classical thing, but they're about humanity. Hmm. Uh, I love the sculptures of Donatello. Hmm. Uh, I don't think like Donatello would say that these are um, idolatrous. Yeah, yeah, idolatrous. They're not. They're they're, they're telling a story. They're an, an, they're. A, concept of how may, maybe uh, Moses might have not just looked like but, but felt and he's got that like, amazing John the Baptist who looks like he's gone through a shredder as well doesn't yeah, he? yeah, he's yeah. Just, and he's got a Mary Magdalene who oh that's really right is. oh that's amazing and, and it's I mean they're beautiful they're about humanity they're not mm. about sort of putting um, idols above human beings mm. So I mean I think maybe there was a lot of, a lot of I mean of course if you're knocking down cathedrals you can steal the stones and build other hmm. buildings out of so so there's a reason reason for destroy for yeah. destruction and, and if we have all these um, sadly redundant churches within the Church of Scotland I'm guessing some of them would make great exhibition spaces for community art to, and for people to express their humanity and tell their story you know yeah. uh, within a building that. That's right. Should be there to allow them to do that. I, I live in a village called Loch Winnach, which is, um, and there's that there's, there's a Church of Scotland building there, which is has been closed for about a year or two now because, and it's a beautiful building, and I think it's listed, and we are trying to work out what to do with it, but um, um, there's plenty of opportunities for using it for theatrical purposes, or but also. I mean, I think any place where people come together has got a, a, a spiritual dimension to it. So um, um, I take my mother-in-law, who's 91, to to the church every Sunday. And um, it's where she meets people who she doesn't see, except from one week to the next. But they all look, they'll all look out for her, mm. you know, and they'll notice if she's not been there that week. And so there's a sense of community in coming together, which I think is really important with, the, with uh, any sort of... Um, Church, church is more the people rather and, than a building. And the word, um, you're talking about cathedra being seat. I mean, the word congregation is to gather, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, to, to con congregate. To yes. congregate and to bring people together. Yeah. 
The other area I wanted to just touch on as well, because I know um, the concept of the shepherd yes. is quite part of, you know, where you like to go in your creativity as well. And we were amazed here at St. Cuthbert's because we have the Tiffany window, mm -hmm. which is of David, the shepherd boy, gathering his pebbles as he goes through this rite of passage from being a shepherd boy to a warrior and then ultimately a king. Yes. And then on the other wall, we have the medallion, which was created by the Edinburgh Art School, I think, in the 60s of Cuthbert, the shepherd boy, uh, up in the Lammermuir Hills before he became a monk down at Melrose Abbey. And when Lake Tekapo came here, you told me the beautiful story that although it is um, you know, a gorgeous landscape, and for me, I think all churches should have a water feature. Yeah. And we used to sit at the head of the Norloch here, and mm -hmm. that's gone. Yes. But your paintings allowed us to bring water back into the church. Yeah. But you also told me that a lot of people would go to Lake Tekapo because there is the chapel of the Good Shepherd. Yes. So that linked in beautifully with our other two shepherds. Yeah, uh, but yeah I, went, I went to that chapel, or oh, the church, church building. It's not a chapel, is it? It's a chapel church of the Good I'm Shepherd. Sure, I'm not yeah. sure. We went there because uh, we, I, I went with my wife and two friends who wanted to get married in that church. Uh, he, uh, Gordon Rigby, who's a, 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 a composer and also plays with the BBC Scottish Symphony Orchestra, uh, he had been there before in his youth and he said, we've got to go there. So we went there and there was something about that spot which was uh, bigger than the sum of its parts. Wow. It was something, oh my gosh. So, so I, I sat down there and did this this big drawing and uh, and I wanted to do a painting of it. So so the one that's here in the church is 20 feet wide. It doesn't look that big when you see it down below, <laughs> but, but it, it's two metres by six metres, so it's, so it's, it's big. Mm. Uh, but uh, there was something of the majesty of that, 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 that space, yeah. which I have been inspired by. And also... I, I, Water always comes up in my work anyway. I'm always very interested in the idea of water and this, this, this very strange medium, which... Um, is so did you, when you went to New Zealand, you didn't have in mind painting Lake Tekapo until you went there specifically with some friends yeah. to go and see the church? Well, I, I did, we did the tour of New Zealand for about a month. Right. And I stopped, stopped off at different lakes um, and uh, I was more interested in the lakes than the mountains. Strangely, and stuff mm. like this. It, it, um, um, it was the water element which really interested me, and the long skies, um, and the, uh, also um, I was doing landscapes in Scotland at the same time, mm. um, and uh, so I've done some paintings of of landscapes in Scotland as well because I was interested in the link between Scotland and uh, New Zealand. So we went to. Uh, um, Dunedin, which is the old name for Edinburgh, and there's a statue of Robert Burns there in Dunedin, and um, uh, that was a that was a worthwhile visit. I wanted to go and see that, but also there's something very interesting about. Um, I mean, if you go to you go to you go to New Zealand, you go to a place like Bannockburn, or. Uh, Places which have all these sort of like, like Scottish connotations. Mm. Actually, the place Dunedin itself was set up by, uh, 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 I think it was the, the the nephew of Robert Burns, 
who went there to set up a community for the, the, the Church of Scotland, and that's what set up the, the, the old community in, in Dunedin. There's a, a good chocolate factory there as well. Is it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, you know, like the Christ, Christ Church in New Zealand hmm. was a place for the Church of England, and so the Dunedin was a place that the, I think the Church of Scotland wanted to set, the, set themselves apart. If I can just take you quickly, just back to this um, idea of water as well, because yeah. within the church, obviously, baptism is the welcome in to the church. So do you see water as being, you know, something refreshing, fresh start to the ability to wash yourself clean? It's, How it's do you see it? It's, it's, a pl- it's, it's something which is very... Um, I've always uh, put water in my work. I think it's very, very, very important to me. I've done crucifixions, I did a crucifixion piece about, I mean, I mean it does relate to something water and blood and wine yeah. and and um, um, and baptism and, and, and also a change in, um, it's like if you stick your big toe in the bath, hmm. you're, there's a sort of change of consciousness as you go from one medium of air into the one of water that you sort of like, like, uh, um, you sort of change as a human being as you go into in, into water. Well, I mean, as we draw to a conclusion, I mean, a that's very refreshing to hear you speak like that because um, I think you know the church would be hoping that it was doing something similar. It was moving people from one stage of their life, you know, into a new one as well. And yeah. and um, I love the idea of dipping your toe because you know a lot of people will dip their toe into a church. You know. Yeah. And a lot of people will immediately say, oh, that's not for me, it's, or the yeah. water's too hot and, or it's too cold. Yeah. But I think as a church, our challenge is to allow people to, to dip in and want to, you know, totally yeah. immerse themselves yeah. in what, what's being offered to them yeah. as well. I think also, I mean, what, what you're doing, doing with this podcast is mm. important as well because people get a wee bit worried about going to church as a sort of a ritual mm. uh, and becoming part of a... Uh, uh, you know, sort of like wearing a badge and saying this is this is who I am, uh, whereas this is I mean, this is a much more open way of accessing uh, ways of different ways of thinking and approaching subject matter. Uh, I mean, we we're all brought up with this strange thing. I mean, what ama- amazes me is that we exist in the first place, and so. Um, uh, I got interested in the Bible from the very, very beginning, since, since, since as far as I can remember, uh, because the Bible itself was a way of trying un- trying to un- understand the world uh, through storytelling, but also through um, science. So they brought in elements of like 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 the world was created and. You know, like like six days and the seventh day it was rested, and these epochs were correct. The, this, these things, this is how things were uh, uh, actually created, and so we can learn so much from how people thought. Um, also, they follow stars and things like that. It's, it's all about astronomy and astrology. These these are the sciences of the time. So the the Bible, which means book, is just a, a collection of of uh, ideas which held people together. Well, as you can see, we could go on and on, and this has been such a lovely conversation. And I think the nice thing is it's been a conversation between friends as well, and you've been so gracious in sharing so much with us there, and we've touched on so much as well. I think we need a, a, an Adrian Part 2 podcast okay. at some point as well, because 
<laughs> you, you just, you know, you've gifted us with so many beautiful ideas as well. So huge thank you, Adrian, and, and thank you for acknowledging potentially what these podcasts can do for the church as well. I mean, that's very, very supportive of you as well. Oh, cheers, so, all the best. Thank you very much. Good well, luck. if you've enjoyed today's podcast with Adrian, this is in fact the 10th of the Festival Fringe podcast. So if you'd like to go back and explore some of the others, they can be found on the Sanctuary First website, the Sanctuary First uh, podcast, uh, Sanctuary First app, and also you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And today's podcast uh, was uh, number 10 in the series. Mm-hmm.